0: And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, Vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not When thou shalt have eaten and be full then beware Lest thou forget the Lord Which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt From the house of bondage Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him And shalt swear by his name Ye shall not go after other gods Of the gods of the people which are round about you For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in Massa. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, As the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence. That he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. That he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. Thus far we read God's word. As I said, the text this morning is verses 6 and 7. We read there, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. This passage that we look at this morning is one of the outstanding passages in Scripture on parenting. So that if you wanted to know what we're called to do as parents within the church and as parents who know the covenant of God, this is one of the passages you would turn to. And how fitting it is that and a baptism, and then the baptism of a first child in a home, for Stephen and Jory, that we would look at this passage. But it's not only good for them, it's good for all of us who are parents, and it's not just for parents, it's for the entire church, is where it will see, and you see even in the uh, theme of the sermon, the covenant community's higher call. So there's a word here for the covenant community, all of us this morning, but also there's a higher call that we are given. You might say, higher call, what do you mean by that? Higher call. First of all, see and understand that this is a higher call because this is a call that comes from God. And the higher call that comes from God is not simply, well, parents, take care of the physical needs of your children. We know that. That's instinctive for us. We ought to, but there's a higher call that God gives to us, and it's a higher call because of the source of this call. Secondly, this is a higher call because it's different and much higher than what the world says today. Think of all the world says about parenting today. One of the things they say, and this, according to the world, is enlightened parenting, is that what parents do is they let their children make all the choices. And it's gone to such an extreme that parents in our day will name their child with a gender-neutral name so that later on that child can choose their own gender whatever gender they feel like when they are older, the child chooses, even as a child, those things. That's the folly of the world. The Word of God comes to us and says, no, there's a higher call, and it's from God. The third thing we understand when we look at this higher call is that it's related to the covenant, and that's evident here from the historical context. Moses is speaking to the people of Israel at the border of the land of Canaan. The people of Israel are between two places. They're between Egypt and the land of Canaan. God had delivered them out of the bondage of Egypt. He's about ready to bring them into the promised land of Canaan. And all of that, all of that history pointing to head that deliverance from the bondage of Egypt through the Red Sea, picturing Jesus Christ and the deliverance that His people have only through Him. And because of that, there's the promised land to come, Canaan, which is a picture of heaven. And so we have in the history of the Old Testament, the setting before us of God's covenant with His people. How beautiful is that covenant? Covenant. God's work of salvation. But we see and understand that when God saves, He does save in the line of generations. It's His promise to save in the line of generations. Not His promise to save every child born into the church, but to save in generations. And because that's true, there's a calling that arises out of that. It's the calling to teach the coming generations in God's ways. So a a higher call because it's rooted in God's covenant. So with that in mind this morning, we consider the covenant community's higher call. We notice, first of all, teaching what? So what uh, is to be taught? The higher call is to teach, but what? Secondly, how? And then finally, why? As you look at Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, we read in verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And then the beginning of verse 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. The what is answered in that one word, them. But then the question follows, what's the them? What are these things that are to be taught to the coming generations Within the covenant community. Well, that takes us back to verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So the things that God has taught in his word, and the things not just taught by God in his word, but these things that are in our hearts, we shouldn't miss that. These things in our hearts our knowledge of God, our knowledge of God's saving grace, our knowledge of fellowship and friendship with God, not just our knowledge of it, but our experience of that, our knowing that, our having this, these things that are in our hearts, we teach to the generations to come. But that pushes us back still further. What exactly are these things? We go back to the beginning verses of the chapter. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. And he's talking there about the commandments that were given in the previous chapter. The Ten Commandments especially. But notice how it's put here by Moses in verse 2. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. Fear the Lord thy God. And then... In verses 4 and 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That word them refers to all of that. Fear the Lord. Love the Lord. Fear and love of God Almighty is what we are to teach our children. Let's break that down a bit. That includes pointing our children to God, who He is, that He is one Lord. That means He alone is God. Part of what we teach our children is about God Himself, who is this God. Well, We point to Him and we teach them when they're younger and teach them as they get older as well. God's the creator of the heavens and the earth. God is the ruler of the heavens and the earth. God is a God of justice. He's a God who hates sin. He's a God who's righteous. He's a God who's holy. But he's also a God of mercy. He's a God who saves his people from their sins. That was what the people of Israel were to teach their children. And that's what we read later in the chapter, isn't it? That When the children were to ask, what's the meaning of all of these testimonies and statutes and judgments that the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then what we're to teach them is, remember, we were down in Egypt. Pharaoh, he was our, our ruler and our master and he was awful. And that's a picture of all of our sin. But God delivered us out of that. And so that's what we teach our children as well. This God who I'm teaching you about is my God, he's my creator, he's my ruler, he's my savior. I know his mercy and I love his mercy and I'm thankful for his mercy. We teach our children in that way. Not simply abstractly, not simply bare facts, but this God is our God. He's Jehovah God. We teach them as those who know a relationship of love and fellowship with him. That's the covenant. We teach our children that. We teach our children that he's the one who saved us and brought us into this relationship. He's the one who establishes this relationship. And he's a God who loves his people forever. The high calling that we have been given then is that we teach our children to love and to fear that God. Fear this God. That means be in awe of Him. Be in awe of Him. Reverence this God. There is no one who is like Him. You see, that's what we ought to teach our children. It's very easy for us, and I can reflect back on my own parenting that way too. It's very easy to be concerned with behavior. And we ought to be concerned with behavior, but it's very easy to be concerned only with behavior. We don't want these children to embarrass us. We don't want them to embarrass us here in church. We don't want them to embarrass us when we're in the grocery store or they're throwing a fit in the parking lot. We don't want our children to embarrass us so we do anything that we can so that our children don't embarrass us. We want behavior. And we forget that there's a bigger picture and that's what's set before us here. No, we want these children to fear God. Not fear me. But fear God. And that's the high calling that we have been given. Our goal is not simply good manners at the table and good manners in church, but to be worshipers of the one true and living God that they fear and they love Him with heart and mind and soul and strength. That's the goal of our parenting. That's what we have before us here in this passage, really the ultimate goal of our parenting, what we want. We want children Who don't just behave well. We're after something higher and better. Children who fear the Lord and love the Lord with the whole of their being. So, we are to teach our children to be worshipers of God, how they are to live in a relationship with this God. So, don't serve other gods. You must not give your lives over to the desires of your flesh. We teach them, don't live by your feelings. Don't live by what you want. Live by what God says in His Word. Why? Because we love God. And when you love God, that's what you do. You dedicate your life to serving Him. That ought to be the goal of our covenant parenting. Teach them to fear and love the Lord and obey them. Obey Him, always pointing our children to God. This is the higher call of the covenant community. The covenant community. Although certainly this is a passage that's speaking to parents, it's speaking broader than that. And we know that from what we read in verse 4. Hear, O Israel. So Moses here is speaking not just to parents in Israel, he's speaking to all of Israel and saying this is a calling for All of you. Now certainly it is a calling for parents and I don't mean to take away from that in any way. Parents, we are on the front lines here in teaching our children to fear the Lord and to love the Lord. Moms and dads are on the front lines having been given by God this high calling of teaching the next generation. We know that having children comes with all kinds of responsibilities. Young parents are finding that out. They find out very quickly that when there's a baby around, there's less sleep. Their finances uh, change a bit. It's not very glamorous when you're changing diapers and wiping noses and supplying everything that they need. It can be hard, hard work. But the Word of God says that in the midst of all of that, There's something much higher that we are to aim at as parents, and that is that we teach our children the truth of God, how to love God and serve Him in all of life. It's easy to forget that in our day. And that's why the context here in Deuteronomy 6 is so important when it talks about idolatry and the tendency of the people to forget so Moses says that to the people. He knows that once they get into the land of Canaan and they enter into these cities and there's going to be riches for them that they didn't have out in the wilderness. In the wilderness they had nothing. It was manna every day. God made it so that their clothes didn't wear out. But soon they were going to enter a land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses anticipates the great danger for them. They would forget that's the danger for us we live in such a land and a world of plenty that easily we forget we think well what's so important as parents is that we teach our children certain things that we give them certain opportunities So that sometimes maybe we feel a little guilty as parents if we aren't able to take our children to Disneyland or Disney World. Or we can't take them on expensive vacations. Or we can't give them what they want when it comes to sports and athletics and uh, different programs as well. And we get caught up in these things and so our lives become consumed with all of these other things and we easily forget what's the goal, what's the focus of everything that we're doing. And that's why it's so good for us to hear a passage like this. It's good for me to hear a passage on this as well. So I don't lose sight of this. And so you don't either. The focus is not all of that. Anytime we spend with our kids on a vacation ought to be for this goal and this purpose. Not to have everything of this world but that we teach them to serve and to fear and to love the Lord our God. It's very easy for our own priorities to get all messed up and all confused. And the word of God comes and reminds us, no, this is our higher call as parents. Teach them to fear and love the Lord. But as I was saying, it's not just the call of parents. It's the calling of the covenant community. The church is involved in this and in many ways even though I don't know you as a congregation that well I know how things work in a congregation and congregations are involved in the teaching and the training of the generations to come. I've experienced that in my own life. When as a young parent there are older more experienced parents who have come alongside of us and as we're struggling with things with our children they're assuring us We went through this too. And things change, and things do get better. Just keep being faithful. So here's an encouragement for those experienced parents in the congregation. Come alongside these new parents and encourage them in the calling that they've been given. That's the beauty of the church. Come alongside one another and encourage each other in it. Give helpful and godly advice to one another. And young couples, be open to hearing that. Learn from the generations that have gone before. Elders, you do this. You go on family visits. Now imagine one of the things that you ask when you go on those family visits for these young couples that are involved in parenting is, how's this going? What's the struggle? What's difficult for you? Tell us a bit about it so that we can encourage you. Elders, encourage these families on your family visits. Single members and those who are not given children of their own are involved in this too. And there's many ways that they can be to be encouragement to others and to be a help with busy families in their times of need. And I've seen how others have done that within the church. But We've and understand it's a calling of the entire church. We're all concerned about this. That's why in some churches, and I don't think it would be a bad practice, I'm not saying we need to change things, But to remember that when those questions are asked in the baptism form, I know in some Reformed congregations, they're put to the entire congregation as a reminder to the entire church. How do you answer these questions? Because these children, just like Rosie, belong to all of you. So that you also would see that this child and all of the children are taught in God's ways. And part of the way that we live this out organically in our covenant community is by banding together for our Christian schools. A good reminder here why we do this. We want our children to fear and love the Lord and to be educated in a way that that is the goal and the aim as well. So may this be a reminder as well for us to be committed to this. And as this is why we do it. Because we want our children instructed in God's ways, educated according to the truth of his word, so that in all of life, they would learn to fear the Lord. Covenant Christian education is built on a passage like this, where this high calling is set before the entire covenant community. So that's the teaching what? The church, parents especially, teaching the coming generation the fear of the Lord and to love the Lord, to be in awe of God and to love Him in the whole of their lives. How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, we look again at the text. We read there in verse 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. That word teach means literally to sharpen, to sharpen. Like a pencil would be sharpened, we want our children sharpened in their fear of the Lord. Now with a pencil, of course, that can happen very quickly. With children, it takes time. But that's our goal with them, that they would be sharpened, that they're growing and their knowledge and their love of the Lord in their lives. And so that's what we are to do. We are to teach these children as they get older. We think about the things that we teach our children. What should we teach them? There are many things that we can and do teach them. You're going to teach Rosie how to bake cupcakes probably one day. I can picture her sitting on the counter one day like you were sitting on the counter with your mom, helping her put ingredients in as you make things. And Stephen, no doubt you want to maybe try to teach her to fish or maybe to hunt. There are all kinds of things that we as parents teach our children. Sports, hunting, fishing, baking, whatever it may be. It's not that we don't teach those things. But that's not the focus. The focus through their lives is that we sharpen them and their understanding of who God is and how they are to live before him. We understand that there's a progress that takes place in that. We understand that even within the church. We have a catechism curriculum that's built that way. Easier books for the young kids. The first graders don't start with essentials of Reformed Doctrine. They can't handle that. They they don't understand the words of that. We begin with Bible history in a very simple level. Short answers that they can easily memorize. Short passages that they can memorize. But then as they get older, they learn a bit more and they learn a bit more. So also in our parenting, we should follow that same course. That's the idea here of sharpening. We sharpen them in their knowledge of God and their understanding of God's Word. As they get older, we teach them more about God and how they are to serve Him in their lives. So when our children are young, we communicate in a way that is fitting for their youth. We teach them when they begin to talk. Well, who made you? God. God made me. We begin teaching them that. We might teach them Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want We teach them that psalm to teach them about God. We teach them some of the Psalter numbers or or other songs that you may have playing in your van so that the Word of God is entering into their minds. And at a young age, to music, they're learning that Word of God. And then the thunderstorm comes along. And when a thunderstorm comes along, we say, well, God's speaking in that thunder. You don't have to be afraid of that thunderstorm. We break it down into simplest terms, but as they get older, then we teach them more about God. Or when they're young, we teach them what no means. No means no. Not no means no the third time or the fifth time. No, no means no the first time. And if they don't obey, then we may spank them to remind them no You must obey because that's what God calls you to do. But as they get older, then we explain to them more about God and his love and our calling to love him and serve him in our lives. Again, it's not just about behavior modification, but we teach them to love God. God has given us a book to use as we do that. God says, use it. Use the Bible. What's most effective because the Holy Spirit works by it, is the Word of God. Not, not my Word as a parent, but the Word of God. We're reminded this morning to use Scripture in our parenting. Why? Because Scripture is powerful. The Word of God reminds us of that itself. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect truly furnished unto all good works. We want our children to grow in serving God. We'll bring the word of God to them. Hebrews 4 speaks as well of the power of the word. Verse 12, for the word of God is quick. That means it's living. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the, the Word of God is powerful not only to expose bad behavior, but it also gets down into the heart. And so that's why in our parenting we use the Word of God. One of the ways in which we do that is in family worship. Family worship. Important question for us today is how are you doing in your family worship? You have to answer that question for yourself. You find yourself as a family having it less and less, there are other things squeezing it out, you're busy, the children don't sit very well, and so easily get squeezed out. Well, this is part of the higher calling of God. Train children, teach them with the word of God. And one of the ways we do that is in family worship. Family worship is an important time of teaching in our homes, especially homes that have children in them. And so may this be a reminder to us to be committed for the sake of the generations to come. May we be committed to family worship. When Moses wrote what he wrote, they didn't have the Bible then. When Moses wrote what he wrote, then parents were called to bring the commandments of God and and the instruction of God. And then the children would ask, and there were certain monuments even that were made at that time and after. And the children would ask, well, why this monument? Why this pile of stones in this place? And they would provide the opportunity for parents to talk about what God had done in Israel's past. So also we as parents must talk about the work of God that He has done as it's recorded in the Scriptures. We have this book now to bring to our children. But it's not just that we do that in family worship when we read God's Word and we pray and maybe even sing in that family worship. But parents, let's be encouraged to use God's Word in our parenting itself. A tendency for some parents and I say that because I know it would be mine, is to think that maybe if I said it loudly enough or I said it sternly enough, then that would be what drove it into their hearts. That's not what drives it into the hearts. We need, as parents, to appeal to a higher authority. That's why we remind our children, even as we teach and instruct them, we do that with all patience. Remember what God says. And it's not just have them memorize Ephesians 5. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That may be our tendency. That's not the only passage in the Bible that speaks to parenting. We ought not to use that as a club over our children's heads. But think of the many others. So that in certain moments we say, Remember what the Word of God says in Proverbs 15: a soft answer turns away wrath. Your brother, or sister's mad at you. God's wisdom is a soft answer. Turns that away. God's word says love as you have been loved. What does that look like here in this moment? So we as parents must know the word of God of ourselves so that we can bring that word of God to our children. Covenant community is called to teach using the word of God and training them, sharpening them as they get older with that word. Part of what comes behind that and is part of this too is that the text is calling us to full-time parenting. Full-time parenting. We'll look at what that means in a moment, but look at what the text says. Remember, it's familiar to us. Verse 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. The idea was, is that as Moses spoke these words, he's thinking of the life of the people of Israel from the time they woke up in the morning till the time that they went to bed at night. And the text is saying to parents, parents, it's your calling, it's yours to teach these children from the time they get up in the morning till the time they go to bed at night. The idea was that these families ate together, they worked together, they traveled together, and they worshipped together. They would raise crops together, they would take care of animals together, and as they were together throughout the day, they would teach and instruct their children. We are reminded today that parenting is a full-time work. That doesn't mean that we may take breaks. That doesn't mean that dad always has to be home. That doesn't mean that mom always has to be at home. But the idea is, is when we take this calling seriously, we dedicate our lives in this season of our lives to the training and the teaching of our children. That means mom is focused on that work focused on that work in the home teaching the coming generation but that doesn't absolve dad of his responsibility when dad comes home it's not time to put his feet up and rest and do what he wants out in the garage or in his man cave or whatever it may be but he's involved he's engaged he's teaching he's teaching just as much as mom is when he comes home from work and maybe mom and the kids are at the end of their rope by the time he gets home at the end of the day And it's time for him to be engaged and to pick up the slack and teach the children in that time and encourage his wife in that time to serve and to love the Lord. What this means is that parents must be present with their children on a regular basis. That's not just part of the culture of that day. No, we need that today just as much as children ever needed that. They need mom and dad to be present. They need mom and dad to be home. They need mom and dad to be talking to them. They need mom and dad to be spending time with them. There are times, of course, mom through the day, that you have other things you have to get done. But again, the reminder, what's more important in that moment? Sometimes we think, and it's not just for moms, it's also for dads, what I'm doing is more important than the teaching of my child at that moment. And we get it backwards. Our priorities get messed up in those moments, those small moments, and we become very selfish even with the use of our time. And this passage reminds us, no, as full-time parents, we've been given these children, teach them, and instruct them in God's ways. This is more important in our day than ever. And so we must do that through the circumstances of everyday life. When our children complain Remind them, no, we're to be thankful. When they disobey, no, you are to obey. When they fight, they're not just refereeing. Who had it first? Who is right? Who is wrong? No, we're going to teach them to resolve conflict in God's way. What what does love look like in this moment? Giving the toy to your brother or sister, sharing with them, putting them first. Or they did something wrong. You're going to confess that sin and you're going to forgive your brother or sister who wronged you. That takes time. It takes patience. It takes prayer. And so in those small moments, and then they get bigger, and they're dealing with screens, and you are dealing with relationships that happen online, and all of this, we have to take time, spend time with them, teaching them how to use technology and these things in a way that is God glorifying them uh, in them. And teaching them to work and to play and to serve God in everything that they do. That's our high calling as parents. Now why? Why must we do that? Three things very briefly. The first is this. This is our responsibility as parents who are children of God in God's covenant. This is our calling because of the truth of God's covenant. God is a God who works in the line of generations. He's a God who works generationally. How beautiful and amazing that is. The older I get, the more amazing it is to me. And God is a God who speaks to his people and says, I have redeemed you. I've set my love on you. I've removed from you the burden of sin. I see you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm a father who loves you. God is a God who speaks to us in that way. That's what he spoke to us as believers in the sacrament of baptism this morning. The sacrament of baptism is for us a beautiful picture of what God has done, washing away our sins in the blood of Christ washing away our sins by the work of the holy spirit so that we may have life and fellowship with god it's these very things that we know personally and love personally when they get a hold of us we want our children desperately to know these same things and so that third question the baptism form so powerful We give ourselves to the utmost to carry out this high calling. So why do we do it? Well, we vow to do it, but this is a calling that arises out of God's covenant. He works in the generations, and he uses means to do that work, the teaching of the coming generation. Secondly, we do this because in the way of teaching our children diligently, we experience the blessing of God. Proverbs says that the way of the transgressors is hard. What that means is that when we are unfaithful and disobedient, things do not go well. That's what Moses said to the people of Israel over and over again in the book of Deuteronomy. If you're not going to live by the statutes and the commandments of God, things will not go well for you in the promised land. And in fact, you're going to lose your place in the promised land everything that happened to Israel and to Judah as we know it in the history of the Old Testament, Moses said, this is what will happen if you sin. And it did. We need to hear that today as well. There are consequences to unfaithfulness. If we as parents are not teaching, if we as parents are not living out ourselves what God calls us to do, there will be consequences. There'll be fighting. There'll be tension. There'll be sin. There'll be ungodliness. Now that doesn't mean either that when there is sin and ungodliness, that's because we've been unfaithful. We don't take it back that way. It's not always the case. But that is the fruit of ungodliness and unfaithfulness. But in the way of obedience, we experience God's blessing. And the blessing is is that there's another generation that rises up in the church that loves God, that loves His truth and walks in godliness. So we want to be faithful to God. Not because of what it will produce, but because it's simply faithfulness to God and God blesses that. That's His promise. The third reason why this is so important for us this morning is that this is the way of service. Parents, parents, As God has called you to be parents, one thing we easily forget or don't even realize is that being parent means being a servant. And through parenting, we learn to be servants. Almost nothing teaches us service like parenting except maybe marriage. God gives us marriage to learn how to be servants in our marriage, men and women. But so that's true in parenting as well. Parenting is hard work. It stretches us physically and spiritually. It often sends us to our knees. We learn to do things in God's way, not just trying to find out what works. We're to do things in God's way. And thus, as we do things God's way, we learn then that we are servants of the Most High God. Parenting is a way in which we as parents serve the God of our salvation in all humility and all love. It's even in the small things. When you get up in the middle of the night for a crying, hungry baby. Or you're dealing for the umpteenth time with that child who's disobeying you or you're dealing with an older child and their sin and their rebellion and we want to lose it. And we learn, no, I'm called to be faithful. I'm called to be a servant. I'm called to do things God's way. And we learn to be servants of the Most High God through parenting. The task is not easy. But we're not alone. Our God is with us. Our God gives us promises. And he will go with us and use us for the coming generations. But remember the main thing. What's the higher calling that's given to the covenant community? Teach the coming generations to fear and to love the Lord. May God give us grace. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we're thankful for this word. Strengthen parents, especially in this high calling. But all of us as a covenant community that we may see and understand the calling that thou has given to each one of us as part of this church, to see that the coming generations are taught in truth and in godliness. Strengthen us not only to teach, but to be examples of this in our own lives. And, O God, forgive where we sin and where we've been unfaithful. Forgive us in the blood of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.